Hello and welcome to Season 1 of Career Inspiration by VentureFizz. On this episode, Keith Klein is joined by Seth Matheson, Director of Talent Acquisition at Toast. They discuss Toast's unique recruitment style, the core values that make a job candidate toasty, and how the company uses clubs to enhance its culture. Hello and welcome to Season 1 of the VentureFizz Career Inspiration Podcast. I'm Keith Klein, the founder of VentureFizz and the host for today's show. As you know, VentureFizz is Boston's most trusted source for tech and startup jobs, news, and insights. For the first season of our podcast, we're speaking with some exceptionally talented leaders who head up the talent acquisition function at some of Boston's fastest growing companies. Today, I'm really excited to have Seth Matheson on our show. He is the Director of Talent Acquisition at Toast, which when you talk about hypergrowth companies, they are a very high extreme example of hypergrowth. The company has raised over 130 million in funding, including a hundred million dollar round of funding just this past summer. Hello, Seth. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Keith. Thanks for having me. Needless to say, Seth is leading a team that is focused on hiring the best people for one of the anchor tech companies in the Boston tech scene these days. So I'm really excited to hear the details on what's going on at Toast these days. So let's just dive in. Seth, if you could tell us about your background and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. So uh, I'm going to throw a little curveball at you because I, I don't think we ever talked about this part before. But before I got into talent acquisition, which I think helped me create this home here at Toast, I was actually a chef here in Boston. So I really? worked on the restaurant scene. Yeah. Um, so totally different career path for me. Uh, I didn't enjoy the the late nights uh, sitting in front of a 500 degree oven and uh, playing when my friends were working and working when my friends were playing. Uh, so I, I remember the day I got a call from a staffing agency. I had gone to school for computer information systems, got a call from a staffing agency, and I didn't want to deal with computers anymore. So they gave me an opportunity to come in and interview with them for a web design position. And I got in there. I said, you know what? I actually want to come and work for you guys. Do you, do you have any recruiting roles? And five, five or four or five days later, I was on a plane down in Richmond, Virginia for Apex Systems to, to go and, and get through some training with them. So I spent about five years with Apex, um, cutting my teeth, learning learning how to recruit, learning how to sell staffing services, all that. Like a lot of people who get into uh, recruiting, uh, that's how they get into the business. Um, from, from there, I, I dabbled around a couple other agencies, tried to start one of my own in 2009, which was not the smartest time to do that. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it did not go so well. Um, and then ended up at, uh, at Fidelity working for Veritude, which was their in-house staffing firm. Uh, learned a lot from from Veritude, learned a lot from Fidelity. They, they have a lot of structure over there. Uh, and then went over to Monster and helped Monster build the services division, the RPO, Recruitment Process Outsourcing Division of Monster, uh, providing recruitment solutions to a lot, a majority of Monster's clients. And then from Monster, uh, got the opportunity to come over to a startup for the first time. And I, it was just something I couldn't pass up. I'd always wanted to try a startup. And here I am at Toast, and I, I, I think I picked a winner, Keith. I think you did. What does Toast do? So Toast makes uh, restaurant point of sale and restaurant management software. So we're a SaaS-based uh, restaurant management uh, tool uh, built on the Android platform. Uh, and we're, we're just growing and expanding the features that we offer to restaurants specifically. And unlike some of our competitors, we are very specific to the restaurant space, which has created a, a nice niche for us and, and given us a uh, really good um really good market fit yeah well i can't wait to hear more about how you've been building out the talent acquisition function there but let's take a step back um you know at one point you said you tried starting your own agency but then you ended up at fidelity with their 
paratude unit that is like their contract arm of fidelity yep. so how did you end up making or why did you end up making that shift and what did you learn at fidelity so i made the shift honestly because i wanted to get into a more corporate environment um it, it had always been you know the, the my career path that i had in my head if i'm starting in an agency eventually i want to get over to the corporate side where life is quote unquote a little bit easier it's not it's just different <laughs> um and Fidelity was was giving me that that opportunity to get my foot in the door in a in a much more corporate environment, which it absolutely was. So coming from the agency side, things are chaotic. Um, you're not really putting too much structure or thought into your process. You're just trying to get a volume of candidates over to your clients, hoping, fingers crossed, that one of them is going to get hired. Uh, going to Fidelity though, I honed the craft a little bit. It was more about getting the right fit really understanding what the what our customer which was uh fidelity uh fidelity hiring managers needs were and uh making sure that we were able to effectively sell that to the candidate so that we we created these nice matches and got people on board and obviously fidelity is a very large organization so i imagine uh the exposure to that scale was something that was beneficial for you or yeah the, the scale was beneficial so i mean there were two thousand contractors that were under my management, I say management, it's it's career management, not actual day-to-day -day management. Um, I, I supported specifically the asset management division and there were about 2000 contractors there. Um, and I, I forget exactly how many of those that I brought in, but dealing with really, it, it's a demanding world, the, fin the finance industry, Fidelity Investments being one of the biggest um, financial providers in the, in the world, uh, very demanding, demanding hiring managers, there's high expectations of candidate, um, both candidate experience and, and the and the candidate quality that we're bringing in in for them to interview, uh, so it just changed my my view on how recruiting actually works. Got it. And then you made the move over to Monster, which I don't know if I was aware that Monster had an RPO service where they provide recruitment process outsourcing. Right, that's the RPO acronym, right? Exactly. Uh, to large company, or you said small and large companies. So you know, tell me more about that. So we, uh, the, the RPO division of Monster flew under the radar. I think it was a, a combination of things. Um, one is Monster sold a lot to staffing firms and that was a huge revenue stream for them. So for us to say that we are actually in direct competition with staffing uh, firms would have been a little bit difficult to come out publicly with. So we, we weren't doing a lot of, uh, a lot of advertising. It was, it was very, very sales driven and relationship driven. But we worked with and we were sold to every customer uh, within within Monster. So I had clients that were literally a one person accounting shop that was trying to hire their second accountant to help them get through tax season all the way through to Fortune One. We, we helped Walmart hire developers, um, helped Amazon hire both developers as well as fulfillment center workers, worked with Tesla Motors, helping them hire battery engineers. I mean, just some really cool stuff. So we, we touched a lot uh, and, and everything in between. And you were part of the team that like you actually helped grow this business unit of Monster, right? From yeah. So to when I started, we were about two million dollars in revenue, and when I left, we were a little over twenty. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And and how would that operate? So like with an RPO engagement, you know, let's take example of like Tesla. So they're staffing up a new division. They would engage with Monster and have people on site that were acting as if they were Tesla employees and bringing. Exactly. So we would, we would offer up a couple of different things. It was, um, we, we come into the, the customer, so we'll use Tesla as the example. So Tesla, Elon comes to us and says, I need some help hiring. And he wasn't actually Elon, but he was on some of the phone calls that we were on or that we, that we had with them. Uh, they say, we need some help with hiring. 
And we put together a plan. We 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 do the need the the needs analysis. We we gather the 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 specifics on the role they're looking for. We get to understand their process. We get to understand the struggles that they've had finding these people. And then we put a proposal in front of them that says, this is the strategy that we're going to use to find these uh, battery engineers for you. And uh, these are the types of companies that we're going to be looking at. And this is this is how we're going to run our process for you. Uh, they make some tweaks to it. They say, we like this, we don't like this. And we, we go back and forth until we find something that works. We attach a price tag to it. And we say, great, you're going to, you're going to engage us for X amount of time. I think the initial contract with them was for a six month period. We're going to deliver, we're going to have three full-time people working on these positions for you. The expected outcome is that you're going to be able to hire six engineers. Um, and anything above that is just icing on the cake for you. Anything below that, we failed. And we just we work with them through the six months to deliver those those engineers. And do you think that experience at both Fidelity and Monster kind of set a good foundation for what you're doing today? It absolutely did. I mean, you think about the strategy that I that I put in place for Tesla, for Amazon, for that that accounting firm. Um, I've seen a lot, and it, it, like I, I think I'm drinking from a fire hose right now. It was a totally different fire hose that I was drinking from at Monster, where I had every type of company coming at me saying I need a recruitment strategy, and between me and my team. We'd sit down and come up with really effective recruitment strategies that were leveraging not just Monster, but any tool that was available to us at the time uh, to, to make sure that we were delivering results. So hiring accountants, hiring engineers, hiring salespeople, it didn't matter. I had to be able to talk the language at any minute of any day. And how'd you end up at Toast? So uh, Toast, it was a typical to how a lot of people come into Toast. We hire about 50% of our, our uh, employees here through referrals. Um, I came in as a referral. Uh, I, I got introduced to the head of people and culture, Barry Hartunian, and we hit it off. We started having some conversations and I hadn't applied. I wasn't looking for a role. I was pretty happy at Monster. But like I said, uh, when, when a startup comes calling and it, it's, it's been a, a, a dream of mine to work for a startup, and one as successful and and as um, with the growth potential that Toast has, you don't say no. And and uh, it was it was a no brainer. My wife and I had the conversation. You sure you want to leave the stability for this startup world? And I said, Yep. There's no way I'm not doing this. And uh, and here we are today. What was the size of Toast when you joined? And I guess it would be good to kind of hear where you guys are today, employee wise, and what you're looking at as far as growth. Yeah, so when I started with Toast, we were about 325 employees, and I started in January of last year. Uh, we've more than doubled, uh, so we're we're right around 750 employees, pushing 800 right now. Wow, that is hyper hyper growth. It, it, <laughs> is, it is pretty pretty substantial growth. Yeah. You know, kudos to the the founding team. Obviously, the uh, you know the Indeca crowd as a whole has done really well as far as the alumni that have gone off and started companies, but you know, it's just phenomenal what Toast has accomplished. Uh, now, how about your team? Obviously you've got some really aggressive goals ahead of you in 2018. What does your team look like? How is that structured? And what are your you know, plans to, to meet the demand of hiring next year? Uh, yeah. So we, we've got a, we've got a rockstar team over here. I, uh, you know, you're only as good as the team that you hire and we've hired some amazing people to, to be on talent acquisition. So we have, the team is 18 right now, including myself. I think we're gonna uh, bump it up a little bit over the first quarter of next year, probably uh, get to about 22 to be able to handle uh, 
in all the work that we have to do next year. Um, we have it segmented by the, the departments that we support. So um, when you when you think about growth and we think about percentage of companies, sales is a huge percentage of our company, our go to market. So the go to market is one is one group. They, they make up maybe about 30 percent of the organization. Then we have customer success. Um, and then and then we have engineering, obviously, which has a totally different process in the way that they recruit. Um, some might say more difficult, but it's just a different type of, of difficulty that we have hiring engineers. And then uh, product and hardware, and then our, our uh, GNA group. Right, Lane, which, you know, hiring uh, engineers is hard, but it's gonna be even more difficult when you have software and hardware that needs to be developed. Exactly, hardware is new for us. So we're, we're just getting that going. And that's why the hardware group is actually separate from engineering. We are, we're hiring software engineers as quickly as we can. Um, where we don't have a, it's not like we open a role or a software engineer with Android and then we find somebody and close it out. We're just hiring software engineers. If you are a software engineer and you want to come work at Toast, you you apply to us, you get introduced to us, and we're going to have a conversation with you and we're going to see if we can make a fit. The go-to-market team, so that's sales, right? Yep. Um, any restaurant is a potential customer, right? So the the, the scale of of customers that you guys have as far as market opportunities just phenomenal right it's just every yeah. restaurant <laughs> it's it's enormous and that's it's it's difficult to build a sales team when you have that type of an addressable market so i think uh, if to use the most recent numbers i think there are roughly on average 750,000 restaurants in the united states and right now we're focused on the united states of restaurants we have a very small percentage of that as customers already um and, and but we're 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 quickly quickly growing that number that we're that we're able to get to. Um, but you're but you're right. It, it go, we're blanketing the country, um, looking oftentimes in in some tertiary markets where there's not uh, it's not a hotbed of salespeople because there's not a lot of tech talent. But we're selling we're in a, a unique niche because we're selling to restaurants, but we're selling pretty sophisticated technology to to a restaurant. And you want somebody who can speak both sides, be able to dive into the technology, really understand what it is that the Toast system does, but also speak to the needs of a restaurant and, and what they're dealing with from their, from their uh, employee relations issues, from their staffing issues, from food costs, and, and how do you actually get your, uh, get, get your food uh, pushed out of the kitchen? Yeah. And how can you do it faster and better? Uh, you've obviously seen extraordinary growth since joining the company and next year a lot of the same how are you going to uh, keep the bar high based on the volume of hiring you're going to be doing throughout next year <laughs> it's a great question and one that i get asked almost daily from our ceo uh chris Comparado is, is he's amazing he's so so focused on maintaining that bar and having having an amazing culture having a really well-oiled machine uh, so he actually came to me about six months ago and said, uh, myself and Barry, and said, how are we going to keep this bar high? Uh, so we've, we've initiated some practices within our interview process, within our, our sourcing process of how we're, how we're going to, one, make sure that we're screening to, to maintain that bar. First and foremost, with any hire, uh, they, need to, they need to meet all of our core values. Uh, we have seven core values. The most important ones on that list, they're all important, but the big ones are uh, no ego. We don't want to hire people that, that have an ego. Uh, we want people that are team players that are that are willing to come into a team and work it as a team and help the team thrive. Um, Where we we want people who are driven and and really really intelligent and 
they, they, they're able to put their focus in and, and get us get toast to where we want to be. Um, cause it's, it's not one person doing it. Like I said, it's us as a team and everybody needs to be driving towards that goal. Um, and, uh, and it, it, the, it, it's very, very, very important that they're hitting every single one of the, all, all of those seven, uh, seven core values. So we start there, we're hiring DNA and then the skill sets on top of it, we can kind of mix and match and see where somebody fits in as long as they have that DNA. So a couple of things we have, we're, we're making sure that we're screening effectively on the DNA, we're making sure that we're screening effectively on the skill set. But then we're also bringing people in who may not be a perfect fit right now for any specific role. We call it opportunistic hiring. Uh, and our, our founders and our CEO, Chris, is more than happy to jump onto a call jump or meet somebody for coffee or have somebody come in and just put, throw them on their calendar for an opportunistic interview. Uh, if my recruiters come across uh, a candidate who's just awesome, we call them quote unquote toasty. <laughs> if, they're, if, they're, if they meet the toast factor, uh, we're going to bring them in, we're going to meet with them and we're going to give them the best opportunity to come and work for toast. So, so Chris, the CEO, he'll take time on his calendar just to meet with exceptional talent and hopefully find a, a good home for that person. Absolutely. I, if I were to wager a guess, uh, I would say that he spends somewhere between 30 and 40% of his time meeting opportunistic talent. He is so, so committed to hiring the best that he's willing to put that time in. Well, I guess what it probably started from the early days of Toast being that the, you know, Chris and the founding team were Indeca alums, which if just my memory of Indeca, they hired really, really exceptional talent. Like Steve Papa just brought in crazy, brilliant people into that company. And I imagine that DNA is carried forward and, you know, toast. Yeah. Well, I think the lore of, uh, of Indeca has made it right across the Boston tech scene pretty well. Steve Papa, yeah. the stories that I've heard, um, I've met Steve, he, he's, he's on our board and he, he comes through the hallways here often. But the stories that I've heard of Steve is he's just a, he's an exceptional person. He yeah. cares so much about the people um, uh, that, are, that are within his organization um, and their, their well-being and their ability to grow their career within the organization. And, and the founders, the three founders and, and then Chris have, have really adopted that. Um, we want people to move about the organization. If, if you have a passion to move from customer success over to sales, we're going to give you, we're going to pave that road for you and we're going to help you do it. Um, we want you to learn as much as you can in the role and, and obviously help, help toast as much as you can in the role that you're in today. But we're happy to make changes for, like we said, for exceptional people. Um, we want to make sure that we make that, a, that we're, we're able to make it a reality for you to move within the organization and grow your career. I think that can be a limiting factor for some companies where they get so focused hiring on a specific skill set versus hiring for talent. Mm -hmm. Like, so I just think that's very forward thinking and not enough companies think that way because they know like, well, we need someone that has experience doing X, Y, and Z. And if they don't have that, well, then we aren't going to keep searching. Yet it's funny. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse being over here now because I've been with those companies who, if I were to be interviewing at at let's say fidelity and you say what's your career path they, their career path is already defined for you oftentimes it's already defined for, for you before you've been hired when i'm talking to candidates now and they say well what's my career path if i come in as a as a sales as a territory sales rep uh, what's my career path look like and the answer is anything you want and literally it's an it's a the sky's the limit and you you write your own destiny here sometimes it's hard for people to grasp that because they're just not used to it and it's like yes yeah, that's sure it is but what's what's it really like over at toast no the answer is 
you write your own destiny here. If you want something, you go get it and we'll make it happen for you. You mentioned that uh, employee referrals are, did you say 50% of the hires around? About? Yeah, I, I rounded up a bit. It's, it's 40 Okay. What else are you doing to meet the demand of the hiring plans for the upcoming year? Like what other strategies do you have in place to you know, build the pipeline? So we, we leverage, um, we, we leverage some tools. The, the tool that we use the most is LinkedIn, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's the easiest way to network with candidates. Um, every, every team is going to be a little bit different. Um, as how they attract candidates. We don't post our jobs on any specific, any, any job boards. We use VentureFizz, um, as I'm sure you know, <laughs> Keith. And, uh, I, what's amazing is VentureFizz is actually providing a ton of candidates for us. I, I think we're, we're seeing like 20, 25, 30 hires a year, if not more, um, from people applying through VentureFizz. Um, we don't post anywhere else. And then, uh, and then we're using LinkedIn and we're networking and, uh, like, like I said, is a little bit weird because we're going all throughout the country and we're hiring people in these tertiary markets. And it's a, it's a quick networking scheme to get us in there really, really quickly, identify the talent. And then once we hire that person, we're not going to be back there maybe for six months or so. So it doesn't, mean, it doesn't make sense to maintain that pipeline. Whereas my engineering team, we're hiring here in Boston and now in Dublin, Ireland, um, and we're building these these networks, and we're doing we're running these drip campaigns that my recruiters are setting up on their own, and they're being they're they're very strategic with how they're messaging to the candidates and and pushing out content, uh, sending links to I'm sure they'll be sending out this podcast at some point, making sure that everybody hears what we're doing, and it's it, it's a it's a snowball effect. You've, they've been doing it now for uh, about a year and a half, two years, and now they're getting traction with candidates that they had reached out to nine months ago. Obviously, attracting candidates is uh, a key part of what you're focused on these days. I would imagine based on the size of the company, retention is also very important. What are you doing to retain people at this stage too? So they're, they're kind of the same thing, uh, attracting attracting people and retaining people. We're, we want to make the culture uh we, we want to be honest about our culture. So have, telling somebody that toast is one way and then when they get here, they see something completely different will never make a happy employee. So we're very honest and transparent about our culture. When we say it's work hard, play hard, it is work hard, play hard. And there's, there's culture and there are perks. We offer all the perks, which I'm not going to get into, um, but all, all the fun things that any startup should have these days to keep people here, to keep them happy while they're working, to make their lives as easy as possible while they're working. But as far as the culture goes, we, we go back to those core values all the time. We're hiring people, not necessarily like-minded, but like-focused. So their, their focus is on outcomes, is on doing the best that they can for the company and, and really really inspiring each other. And when you get a bunch of people together that are inspiring each other, it creates this aura around the office. And you can feel it when you walk in here. Everybody that comes into the office says, my God, the energy around here is incredible. And it is. I walk in every day and it's like I'm on a high because people just pick you up and, it, and it's cool. It gets you energized. It gets you thinking differently. Um, so we're, we're selling that externally and we're also promoting it internally by allowing everyone to continue to foster foster that. We don't set regulations on what our culture looks like. We allow our employees to, to, to foster whatever they feel is important to them um, through, through ways of creating clubs and, and creating different projects that they want to work on that's related to uh, 
to our goals as an organization, but maybe a slight offshoot that's a passion project to somebody. Um, a lot, of, a lot of our features that we've created in our in our product have actually been that. Somebody says they get an idea on a whim and they say, I just want to go and try this and see if it works. And they get a small team together. And the next thing you know, we have online ordering. That's awesome. And you really you cool. mentioned uh, clubs, right? So you were referring to like clubs at Toast? Yes. Outline on, like some of those are outlined on your website too, aren't they? We do. I, I mean, the amount of clubs that we have is is astronomical. We couldn't actually advertise all of them, but we have a we have a running club, um, and it's not just running like we do the J.P. Morgan Challenge every year. It's running like they go out on a Tuesday at lunch, and twenty five people go out for a run together. Uh, we have a we, we have a what used to be called Women at Toast Club that we are now calling Toast Her Club, which is all about our, our the our. Um, woman initiative here at Toast and how we're helping uh, helping the women at Toast with their career, helping them uh, get in touch with other with leaders, uh, with other like-minded women, so that they can they, they have an outlet, they they have people to talk to, um, and we're being creative with with how we run that club specifically. So it's not just women; we're allowing a diverse population to come and hear how women feel in the organization and what they're looking for, and how we can make sure that we that that we're welcoming to everybody here. We have a multi-grain uh, club, which is, um, <laughs> we like to put things in, in toast terms, obviously here. But we have a multi-grain okay. uh, club, which is our our, uh, our our diversity club, again, allowing a voice for everybody here. And I could go on and on, but it's yeah. people, and we, we allow everyone to have the flexibility to start clubs on their own. Uh, if they need a budget, we'll oftentimes give them a corporate budget in order to facilitate their needs. But just giving people the outlet to, uh, hang out with like-minded people. And, and how are you attracting more people? You know, this is a good segue into diversity and inclusion. Like how are you attracting people into your company? Yeah, so um, the diversity and inclusion initiative that we have here is not, I, I think a lot of companies are moving in this direction. It's not just diversity as it's typically been called in the past with um, age, sex, religion, uh, the, your, your um, your background, all that. It's, it's diversity of thought. We want people who have worked at different companies, who have gone to different schools, who come from different backgrounds, because they're going to have a totally different take on everything we do here. The, the experience of somebody coming from Harvard as to how they, um, how, how they deal with a customer versus, and I'm going to use my school, Roger Williams, how they deal with a customer is going to be completely different. And, but being able to have those two people on a team working, working side by side is, is a really interesting dynamic and they end up learning from each other. So we're, we're bringing the diversity of thought, which also brings diversity of every other aspect uh, to the table. So again, pitching that out and making sure that everybody understands that we are a, a diverse and, and uh, inclusive centric environment here. Um, but then you know, also putting a little bit of effort into it. Um, we are, are on our engineering team. Uh, we have a recruiter, Alex Mims, who's absolutely one of the most amazing engineering recruiters that I've ever seen. Uh, her in her last 16 engineer hires in Boston, 12 of them were women. Wow. Which, which is amazing. That's amazing. Totally. That, that's her putting in the effort and it, not to say that she's turning away anybody else. She's just right. attracting women and she's, she's doing an amazing job at it. That's awesome. No, if somebody is uh, you know looking at Toast uh, as a, a potential employer, like what what can they expect throughout the interview process? We we like our interviews to be pretty well streamlined. Um, 
for, for us to take two months to make an offer is, or, or to get through a process is way too long. Uh, each group has their own, has their own uh, way that we run the interview process, but it's always going to be, you're going to talk to a recruiter. Um, after you talk to the recruiter, you're going to get on the phone most of the time with the hiring manager specifically, um, probably 30, 30 to 45 minutes. Again, we don't want to waste anybody's time. If you make it past that, it means that you've passed the technical portion of whatever whatever the job is. So in finance, you, you have enough financial chops to be able to at least go on to the next round. Uh, engineers will do some sort of a, a code review over the phone, that sort of thing. And then we bring you in. We bring you into the office. We want to in person. If you're in the field, we'll fly either you to meet with um, the sales manager or we'll fly the sales manager to meet with you. Otherwise, we bring you here into the office in Boston. And it's it it's a long day with us. Uh, our, our interviews typically range from about four to uh, six hours or sometimes seven hours. We like them to span a lunch uh, so that we can get a little bit more social feeling with you. Again, we have those, uh, we have a culture that we're, that we're looking to um, continue to foster and cultivate. And sitting with somebody over a meal uh, shows you a lot of how they will interact with the culture. Um, and then from that point, we typically don't bring people back for another round after that. Every once in a while we do, um, but we try to we try to cap it there so that we're not utilizing too much time. And, and we like to have a, a response to the candidate within 48 hours. So we're in our engineering team, it's not it's not an anomaly that we will actually get somebody into and out of the process, either hired or disposition that we're not moving forward within a week. How do you evaluate talent personally? Like when you look at, I know you have a team, you know, probably doing most of this, but just from your background and mentoring your team, how do you evaluate talent? Whether if you're looking at a resume, a LinkedIn profile, or just meeting somebody. Yep. So a resume, I want to see how they've evolved their career. I like, I like to see, people who have either taken a leap, um, really pushed themselves, um, or, or been able to grow within an organization. Somebody who's stayed in the same role for six years at one organization, depending on the role that it is, may not be as interesting to me as someone who has had six roles within, within their uh, last organization over the past six, 10, 15 years, whatever it is. Um, I want somebody who I, I like communication. Communication is a really big deal to me. I like can communicate effectively. Um, and one thing when, when I'm talking to candidates, it's very difficult to uh, to interview for. But what I'm what I look for and what I tell everybody that I'm looking for is the ability to anticipate. Anticipation, I think, it spans a lot of different uh, different attributes of of a person and, and how they perform in their role. But the ability to know when something what the next step is or what three steps from now are going to be and how their decision today impacts that third step, uh, I think is really, really important. doesn't always happen. And to say that if you don't possess that, I'm not going to hire you. But that is one thing that I've found that really makes an amazing employee. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, are there things that candidates sometimes do that they're unaware that they're doing that they should either stop doing or things that they should be doing more of? It frustrates me when a candidate doesn't have a question. And I know everybody says that when we have people in here that have been interviewing for, you know, six hours um, and they get to me and if I'm the if I'm the last interviewer and they say, well, I've kind of asked all my questions, you can ask me again. 
you can ask me, I may have a different take on what somebody else said, just to, to not have a question for me or to not, have not done a little bit of research on who I am or who any of the other interviews are to ask, to be able to ask a question, uh, I think is, it show, shows a lack of, of, uh, of preparation. And uh, it, it's, it's frustrating for me to see that. Yeah, it's deflating. It's like, okay. <laughs> you yeah, it, it, kind of, it, kills the, it, it kills the conversation. It kills the mood. Yep. You have any questions? Nope. Okay, let's wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I guess I'm going to show you out the door now. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, it's interesting. So you've kind of come full circle. You uh, started your career. Well, you graduated at CIS, right? Yep. And you started your career as a chef. Now you're helping this hyper growth tech company that focuses on the restaurant industry. So now you're kind of back. Are you, are, are you still like, do you still cook a lot at home or is it still like a, a side thing you do? I used to cook before I started working at toast. I don't have time to cook anymore. <laughs> <laughs> on the, on the week. So my, my wife has, is an amazing cook as well. So she cooks for, for our kids, but on the weekends, it is my favorite thing to do. When, when you talk about everyone needs a way to, to decompress, to kind of let the stress go. I meditate. Um, I use Headspace on a daily basis, which is really, really helpful. But yeah. above and beyond meditation, it is, it, it's cathartic for me to cook and, and be in the kitchen. And I, it, it's, it's scratching that other, other side of my brain that I don't get to do all the time. So I cook probably once a week uh, on Saturday or Sunday nights. That's awesome. I, I figured you probably still kept, kept your hands in, in that side activity. And, and in fact, I'm going to be cooking on, on Monday, which is, which is Christmas. Pretty excited. That's awesome. What do you have planned? Anything great? Um, as far as the menu goes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the menu. The, so the menu I'm going to be doing, I, I like to do things that are a little bit different on, for, for holidays. So um, for Christmas, I'm not doing a, a roast beef or, or anything like that. I'm going to be doing, a, an, I'm calling it an islandy salmon dish. So uh, it's got, I'm making a sauce with a, a coconut um, coconut miso and uh, brown sauce. It's, it's gonna have a lot of things in it. So a broth basically, mm -hmm. jasmine rice, salmon on top. We're doing some, some other hors d'oeuvres. Simple, but it's gonna be delicious. I yeah, think. sounds amazing. I'm salivating actually just thinking about it. I know, I know. Monday can't come soon enough. Well, Seth, thanks so much for taking the time. This is great. I always like to turn things back over to you as we wrap things up as an opportunity to promote anything you wanna get out there. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And Keith, thank you so much for having me on. This, is, this has been fun. Uh, conversations with you are never dull, so I appreciate that. We could have kept talking uh, for another hour plus, so yes. <laughs> Normally our conversations go on a lot longer than this. Right. Um, but uh, so to just the one thing that I will say is, is Toast, we, we are hiring like crazy. As we mentioned before, we're, um, we're, we're poised to be hiring uh, 900 to 1,000 people next year. Um, we're, we're expanding into Omaha, Nebraska. We're expanding into Dublin and Development Center. Uh, we're, we're, this is, I came here for a reason. And now that I'm here, I can see what that reason is. This is a rocket ship. It's so much fun. Yes, it's a lot, it's a lot of work. It's long hours. It's, it's all that. But I mean, coming into work every day with a smile on my face, working with some of the most amazing people in Boston, uh, I, I throw that out there to everybody listening. Uh, if you want to come and work at Toast, we will have a conversation with you. Come to our website, careers.toasttab.com and, uh, and see if there's a fit for you. And if there's not, email me directly. Email one of our recruiters directly. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, check out VentureFizz. Look at all our openings there. And, uh, and if, if you want to come on board, we will have a conversation one way or another. 
Join the rocket ship. Join the rocket ship, indeed. Well, thanks again, Seth. I appreciate you taking the time for sharing your words of wisdom. This was a lot of fun. I don't know how much wisdom there was in there, but I appreciate you oh, saying it. Tons, those tons. <laughs> Um, and as Seth mentioned, you can, of course, check out all of Toast openings on their VentureFizz biz page or their careers site. If you found this podcast interesting, please make sure you subscribe so you'll get all of our future episodes. And also, please consider leaving us a five-star review and share it with your friends and colleagues in the industry. It all helps a ton. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. That's our show. Thank you for listening. To propel your career forward, go to VentureFizz.com, where you can visit our biz pages for a virtual tour of Boston's fastest-growing companies, check out our job board for listings of over 2,000 positions, and read about the latest in Boston's tech scene. Last but not least, please remember to subscribe to Career Inspiration by VentureFizz on iTunes or your podcast player of choice. And if you like it, please consider leaving us a five-star review. Have a great week, and no matter what, keep moving forward.